everybody that subscribed and commented and we even have some questions today for our big guests first off let me go around the room and introduce everybody we've got Cassio back another week we've got Cassio and his roommate from Los Angeles Woo. Big Al who's now a publicist and also as usual we don't know why he's here no I'm just kidding he's our new audio engineer Bert Wallace in the house St. Germain is here Dustin's back in the control room I mean, this room is full today. Yeah. Got my best friend Jacob Button here, and really? we have a real wise guy on the couch today with his partner Mikael. This is Mark Weiss, everybody. Hey, for yeah, wow. right. Hey, thanks, thanks for having me, man. Absolutely, yeah. man. We couldn't be more excited to share some of the stories you have. You're an archive of. Uh, stories from from the 80s and one of the most legendary photographers that has ever been around that's photographed music so he's tell us tell everybody how you got started doing it uh well i got started by mowing lawns believe it or not was, i'm familiar with that shit. <laughs> <laughs> i was 12 years old and uh you know i had a steady bunch of customers in my neighborhood and then this one guy used to mow his lawn himself didn't mow it for a few weeks, so I knocked on his door, and uh, I said, you need your lawn mowed, and he goes, I mow it myself, yeah. and I said, well, it doesn't look that way, <laughs> and uh, so he kind of looked at me, and you know, we kind of smirked at each other, and he says, I'll be right back, and he came back with this camera, this yeah. Bell & Howell Canon camera, and he said, I'll tell you what, kid, if you mow my lawn for the season, I'll give you this camera, and I looked at it, I'm like, I could probably like hock that for a couple hundred bucks. <laughs> <laughs> so I said, okay, deal. And we shook hands. And then after like eight cuts into it, he said, here, kid, you can have the camera. And I got it. And then there was a pawn shop down the road. And I was like, you know, it was like one of those things where should I sell it? Should I keep it? And I just said, you know, it felt so good in my hand, you know, yeah. this big piece of metal, you know, I didn't know anything about it. You and remember what it was, what model? Yeah, it's a Bell and Howell Cannon. Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah, I still have it hanging, hanging in my office. Oh, nice. Yeah. And uh, I just uh, put it on my shelf and I looked at it for a while and kind of sat there for, you know, about mm, six months. And then I went to my school. I was in, you know, middle school. I was in seventh grade, eighth grade, I believe. Yeah. And that season, uh, <clears throat> I went to my teacher that had a photography class and I said, can you teach me how to develop film? I told him what I had. Yeah. And he kind of took me under his, uh, you know, under his wing and taught me how to develop film. How old were you? I was uh, 12, 13. I just oh turned. Oh my gosh. I, I just turned. To say 17 no, or 18. I just turned 13. And uh, it was just all magical. It was a dark room. It was a cylinder. You go in this thing. I was into space at the time because that's right when uh, it was like 69. That was right when. Um, uh, the moon expeditions right, were going right. on. So I was into that whole space thing and you go in this dark room and there's the dark, you know, dark room lights, the red lights and the timers and yeah. down this kid going, oh, this is pretty cool. <laughs> and then you put this piece of paper in and it magically appears. So I did that. I took pictures of my, my dog and my brother who used to ride motorcycles. And 
you know, that's what I did kind of for a year. Yeah. Fast forward. I got bored after a while shooting my dog and my brother. Yeah. <laughs> and anytime my family needed pictures at events, you know, right. so I put the camera down and kind of put it on my shelf. And then a year and a half later, when Crosby Stills Nash and Young was playing at uh, Roseville Stadium, 1974, like one of my first concerts. No shit. I went there with my brother and some friends and this guy, Kenny Ref, had this camera and he had a couple girls with him and I said, and we just had out of 50,000 people, I just happened to bump into him and I was on the, you know, all the way in the back. Yeah. And I said, where are you going, man? You know, he's uh, friends of the family. And he said, I'm going to take some pictures in the front. I said, and I kind of watched him go to the front until I couldn't see him anymore. And then a couple months later, I went to a family, uh, you know, his parents were friends with my parents and he showed me the pictures and they were hanging up. And then he, you know, I thought, wow, you can do that. And he told me he was, you know, selling them. And I was like, all right, this is something maybe I might want to do. And that's really how it started. It's also a free ticket to, to shows if you can get photo passes, right? Yeah, well, that, that eventually did happen yeah. Yeah, a couple of years <laughs> That's later. Awesome. That's back when tickets were like, what, $5 to get in these shows? Yeah, but. yeah, but he also taught me how to sneak into concerts and not pay the guys. You know? <laughs> so you didn't need a ticket. They sold, they sold All right, that. expound on that. Can we still do that? Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know, but these sold out shows, you know, you couldn't get a ticket. And when you did, you know, it still cost some money. And I was yeah. still like mowing lawns and, you know, you had to buy film and everything. So I used to like have fake stubs. And then when the guy ripped them, you had to like go buy like three guys. <laughs> and when you got to the guy that ripped it, you had to grease them so you throw them five bucks. Right. Know? And sometimes I bring friends with me and I, I pretend I have all their tickets and, you know, yeah. and they, they, I usher them in and then give them like 20 bucks, you know. So I did that for a while. And then I also had to sneak my cameras in at the time. So I had like fry boots. I stick film in one, a, a lens in another, wow. the body down my back, you know, with a strap, had some like, you know, necklaces to cover up the strap. Committed. Yeah. And, and I did that. And it was kind of fun and adventurous. And I would, uh, you know, sell my pictures the next day and out of my high school locker. My teachers didn't even mind. I had signs on, go to room 140 and, you know, get led zeppelin you know peter frampton pictures and yeah oh, and awesome. uh you know met a lot of people you know kind of kind of got me out of my shy spell and uh you know got people talking and and that's kind of how everything kind of happened and it was just uh i think you could probably i think the best way to sneak into a show nowadays if you just had a bucket of ice on your shoulder and you just start walking backstage, <laughs> nobody in their right mind would have the balls to go, hey, man, where are you going with that bucket of ice? You know? I, I had a buddy who got uh, a box of pint liquors, uh -huh. and he put a towel hanging out of his back pocket and put on a sweatband on his wrist and he came in and he was like, I'm with the liquor distributor, and he came right in the bar and was back. Until finally somebody was like, do we make an order like at midnight? What are we doing? Why is there a delivery guy walking around right yeah. now? But it's the same thing. You just walk in like you own the place. The, yeah. big, the biggest one that we ever did was in New Jersey, the PNC Art Center. We, we just went. To, we we were, yeah, we were gonna go. We were on tour, and and uh, Iron Maiden and Dream Theater were playing at PNC in New Jersey, and we and we pull up in our bus, and they just assume we're like Iron Maiden or, or Street <laughs> Theater, and they wave us backstage. And like so, we went in through the backstage. The problem was is after the concert was over, getting back to our bus. But uh, <laughs> yeah. 
And Mark, your first big thing was it was Peter Frampton, right? I mean, my one of my first concerts I shot was Peter Frampton in 1975, and I was so far back, uh, and I didn't know it mattered how far you were. So I had nosebleed seats at that point, <clears throat> which in the Madison Square Garden, they were called Blue Heaven. You were all the way up there. But I just figured I'd take pictures and then go in the darkroom and blow them all up and get some good photos. When I did it, everything ended up being like a big blob of grain, you know? <laughs> so that was a lesson learned. But a year and a half later, he played in 77, and I snuck in, I got really close, got some great shots and sold them. And then fast forward another two years, uh, when I started working for Circus and getting assignments, my first big rock star was Peter Frampton when uh, he did an album and I did the publicity shots. And I went to his house, I was 19. You know, I went to his house and just shot him around, you know, jumping on his trampoline with his dog, Rocky. <laughs> and this is after Peter had his motorcycle accident. He was his after Frampton Comes Alive, you know, so and he didn't want like a whole big, you know, a big entourage. Do, yeah. He just wanted a photographer, simple. So they matched me up with him from, through a friend, George Dassinger, who was their publicist. And, uh, you know, it was kind of like my first meeting with a rock star yeah and uh and uh still to this day it's like you know one of my favorite you know shoots it was an at home i just spent all day with them and and it gave you credibility with other artists it Is that did. Where well it once i had that yeah it definitely did something gave me confidence and and i started getting assignments from magazines and meeting the rock stars dude circus magazine was so huge to me when i was a kid i could not wait for that magazine to come out like hit hip parader circus magazine i remember when that and metal edge and yeah all of that yeah they were all of our heroes. Yeah, magazines were... back then, those are the golden, I call it the golden days of rock and roll. You know, it's not the 50s, I say it's the 80s because right. everything was happening. You had the magazines, you had the MTV videos, everyone knew who you were. If you, if you managed to get that deal, like me and Jacob were talking last night, you know, if you were one of those chosen few, you feel like you've you made it, you know, you got through all, oh, yeah. all the stuff and you were the chosen few. Maybe you weren't the best vocally or the best musicians, but you got there with your stamina, with your songs, with your vibe, you know? Yeah. You know, you didn't have to be like, you know, um, uh, a virtuoso in, in your craft. Right. You just needed to have a little bit of everything, put it together and and have some uh, have some drive. Did and, they bring you out on a bus or were you just designated at shows back then? Did, did bands ever bring you out on tour with them for the whole yeah. tour? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was my favorite thing. You know, it's like I would be on the road with Motley Crue and then I'd go out with Rat for a couple of weeks and, and then I'd go out with Ozzy. And I would stay on their bunks with them. You know, they clear their their junk bunks, they call it, you know, and they, yeah. they, they clear it out and they throw me in there. Did they ever sit you down and go, listen, you tell anybody what goes on on this bus. <laughs> <laughs> You're a dead man. Well, I said, if you tell anyone what goes on in my <laughs> So how about we're even, you know? Yeah. There's initiations, you know? And, yeah. and uh, I remember my first initiation that I had was with... Uh, the most memorable too was with Motley Crue. It was 1984. They were opening up for Ozzy. They were just, you know, slamming it. Yeah. And uh, I was out with Ozzy, and Ozzy was bus was a little boring at that point because everyone was trying to get Ozzy sober. Right. And so there was no booze on it or anything. So 
the Motley guy said, hey, Mark, you know, why don't you come with us? And I knew them from a couple of years ago because I did their first photo shoot for Wee Magazine. Yeah. It was their first national exposure where there was shot. I shot them with naked women, half naked. Yeah. And uh, and that got a lot of exposure. So we quickly became fast friends. And then when they 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 saw me with Ozzy, they were like, come with us, man. You know, come yeah. with us. And so I said, OK, let me let me ask Sharon if it's OK. And she said, oh, it was all right. Go have fun. And uh, I remember uh, Nikki said, okay, come on, Mark, let's go. And I was like, yeah, I'm like, you know, happy and you know, yeah. walking like this. This is going to be fun, you know. And Are you 21 at this point? Uh, it's like 22 or something like that, okay. yeah, I think. Uh, so this is 1980. Oh, well, yeah, this is 84, so I'm... Yeah, I'm up there already. Yeah, already. So Tommy's sitting in the driver's side, and the driver's you know sitting by the wheel, giving a big old grin. And uh, I'm coming on, and all of a sudden Tommy puts his leg out, his big leg. He has got a big old leg, and yeah. I couldn't cross it. He stopped me, and I'm like, okay, <laughs> now what? And then all of a sudden, Nikki goes, draw blood. I'm like, oh. what? He goes, draw blood. I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know. And so then Nikki started biting me. And, and biting you? Yeah, Where? biting me. Well, it, it, well, it started on the leg. Sure, like it always does. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you get bit by somebody, it starts on the leg. Yeah. Yeah. And then yeah. what? Well, he bit me, and then he's like, he wanted me to, you know. Bite him, I guess. I figured it out. And I'm, like, <laughs> I'm, I'm like, dude, I ain't biting you, man. Yeah. And so he started biting me again and not letting go. And then he, he kept biting me, you know. And drawing uh, blood. <laughs> and then all then then Tommy's like, here. And I'm starting to feel pain at this point. Yeah. And Tommy's like, here, he brought me a bottle of Jack. And he's, he's like, oh, give me some Jack, man. You know, I, started, I, had, I had a little bit of pain. I had a little pain. And uh, so after, it seemed like hours, but it was probably 10 minutes or something of him biting me and me refusing to bite. Uh, and I had a, the Jack was, the, the Jack was taking effect. So I said, all right. Fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> so that I bit him. Oh, and where'd and, you buy him? Leg? Yeah. I got him in the shoulder or something. But um, while this was going on, Mick Mars was in the back watching this thing, just shaking his head. It's like, you know, leave him alone, you know, leave him alone. And then Vince comes on while this thing is occurring, like just passes by like it's a normal thing. Yeah. Which I found out later this it is their initiation. I'm not the only victim. I think Eddie Van Halen was uh you know, they tried to get him, which yeah. he wasn't too kind to it. You know? <laughs> I think he walked off. He said, Screw this, I'm out of here. But there's there's definitely some other uh people that, that got bit. And then Vince like, kind of walked by like Kind of just walked by us like it was like a normal thing, just yeah. shaking his head again. Like, come on, guys. He's always been like the dad of the group. I picture. Mm. So, uh, so that was it. It was my initiation, and then later on, after drinking the bottle of Jack, because it was painful and there was blood coming out. Uh, <laughs> I uh, me and, me, later that night, me and Mick we were watching the Three Stooges, uh, yeah. all, like for a marathon. And, you know, one of the scenes is like they go, you know, hey, wise guy. And so he started doing that to me. Oh, and yeah. then after that whole trip, because I was out for about two weeks, I went back. I was working for Faces Magazine, which was a rock mag. I remember that. And we did a pictorial on that trip. And we got some awesome shots of him, them at a cornfield with grass and just 
you know, just yeah. on the bus, just doing everything you could think of. And whatever we could publish were, was in that layout. And I called the, it said photography by Mark, and I put in quotes, Weiss guy, Weiss. And oh, that, that's how you got that's the how it got started. Yeah. Mars. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. We've got some of your albums that you shot here around the studio, if you don't you see that yeah talk oh, yeah. about talk about your transition from doing the live stuff to all of a sudden like doing some of the most iconic album covers of all time like starting with stay hungry yeah well you know your photographer uh you know magazines are cool to get in there you know my first one of my first covers on circus magazine was ozzy and a tutu and and that was fun because everyone talked about it, but it, they only bring that up. We want to see that on the screen. <laughs> bring that up, Dustin. Search, search Circus Magazine, the Ozzy Tutu. Yeah. Yeah. So there's uh, the picture of Ozzy and the Tutu. My, one of my first photo shoots with him. Uh, it was supposed to be for uh, Most Athletic. It was a high school yearbook in Circus Magazine. And I got an assignment to shoot the cover, which is just supposed to be a cool photo of Ozzy on the cover. Uh, this is 1981. So this is right when Blizzard came out. And... Uh, and then the editor wanted me to take a photo of Ozzy with uh, something athletic. There it is above here. <laughs> right. Hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> He's in the all pink. Uh, yeah, that's And strong. so I, uh, I uh, got a tutu and got some boxing gloves and he put it on and, and it was only supposed to be a black and white photo, but the editor loved it and put it on the cover oh, and yeah. we got a lot of a lot of talk for it so here's the prince of darkness wearing a pink tutu <laughs> Incredible. and they were and they weren't the, the osborne camp wasn't pleased with it at really? the time because it's like it wasn't supposed to be that it was supposed to be a small black and white photo i mean i shot it in color and gave it to there i was one of my first you know i just started right. to shoot for circus and that was my first cover i just they just wanted all the film i had no control over it right and so it didn't put me in good standings at the time, but then once they got all this publicity and everyone started talking about it and then the yeah. records were doing good and everything was happening, uh, I was back in the camp and, and then we did more crazy stuff like Ozzy in the uh, uh, the bunny outfit. Yeah, yeah. You know, they embraced all my crazy ideas. Yeah. And uh, it was just fun. So getting back to the album cover right uh so i did that and that was fun but magazines are only on stands for like a, a month and then they go away mm -hmm. album covers are there forever yeah you know? that's right so that's what i wanted to do mm -hmm. and everyone had always you know in the 70s you know reading the album credits and yeah and that was the thing so uh, i didn't know how it was going to happen and, and again it just you know fell on my lap uh with when i got a call from uh, the manager of uh, Twisted Sister and said the, the guys want you to do a photo shoot with uh, with the band for the cover. And what I found out later was uh, they assumed that I was I did a bunch of album covers already. <laughs> that's you good. That's they, good when I, I was just talking to D, he's like, Mark, we thought you were like already did a lot of. Albums. We didn't know this is your first one. We, we never, <laughs> oh, great. We, we, we never would have let you. We would never would've let you do it. Right? You know? It's too late now. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, uh, so what happened was the they knew I was in all the magazines and the art director want, uh, wanted a rock and roll photographer and they I guess they saw like the Ozzy Tutu and, and I was Ozzy's photographer. Yeah. Being Ozzy's photographer for, you know, in the early 80s was pretty big, you know. That's, yeah, huge. And and so that was known. So, you know, 
all these suits at the record company just see rock photographer twisted sister you know crazy rock band crazy rock photographer you know let's get them so yeah. so then mendoza came in and gave me the idea or his idea to do this stay hungry at cover but it was supposed to be five guys in makeup five guys without makeup in the same room and i had to build this set so i've never done any of this before my father was in home construction and he helped me uh build the set wow and i got all the props and i just kind of like winged it really you know yeah and then at the last uh, you know that morning i i got i went to the deli and i got this big bone and i said how much is that bone and he goes you can have it <laughs> and, and, and then I, I just took it and then and it put it in the middle. It was smelly and it was rotten. Yeah. And uh, and, and and that was uh, this right. That was like a twenty-two hour shoot or something. Right. right? So uh, so uh, a long story short, uh, we did a bunch of photos like we did with makeup, without makeup. This is before Photoshop. This is like old stuff they had to do. And I had a light bulb in the middle with props and. It just didn't work with the the two bands, and and it didn't work because I wasn't getting any energy from D. He was just kind of standing there. And that's what hard I, to imagine. You don't get energy right. from D. Well, <laughs> yeah. Also, what I, what I, also what I found out recently was that D was holding back because you know it was supposed to be a band photo, and it's, and and D was always taking the spotlight. And right. for this, this is the first album. He was just gonna kind of hold back. And just let, let try to let the band shine through and just blend yeah. in, and that's what he did. He just blended in. So there wasn't that magic energy in a photograph that you really, you know, look for. Right. And I was just going through. I had so much going on, and so many variables. And and a couple of the guys in the band were giving me the finger and putting their fingers in their nose and just messing around. And it's like me and D kept looking at each other, like you know, just. Do the best you can, <laughs> and I just met these guys really uh, for the first time, and uh, they were cooperative. Then we did photos uh, without makeup, and so twenty hours later, uh, we called it, a, or twenty one hours later, we called it a, a wrap. And I said, "Hey, uh, let's uh, anyone, anyone want to do any individuals in in this, you know, in the uh, and a, they did them real quick, but they that was it, and then they kind of walked out." kind of we had enough yeah and i said d why don't you stick around a little longer you know let's he goes yeah okay no problem yeah it's only been 21 hours sure man sure. i got more time to burn <laughs> everyone left this is the three in the morning at this no point shit. and and we're and he's it was three in the morning and we were tired but we were wired you know had y'all used that bone in any of the shots yet he didn't hold it it was just on the table oh was it okay so he's in the room and I'm just going, come on, D, you know, you can give me something, give me, give me something. And I looked, I saw the bone there and I just took the bone and I threw it at him. He grabbed it and then he just started hitting the walls, making animal noises like, you know, yeah. and the cops actually called. I was in New York City in an apartment building and they, <laughs> <laughs> and they show up and that opens the door. <laughs> I said, D, D, you, D, you get the door. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> No, no, no. Come on, keep the ball. He's like, draw blood. <laughs> <laughs> On this the is leg. the last photographer's leg. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and like the last frame on that roll of 36 was that photo. And I, I turned it into the record company. And it really was almost the demise of the band because when that happened, like the band was like, uh -oh. I didn't know that they were pissed at me because I took it. But, yeah. you know, it was a decision to use it. 
Um, but I think they were mad that I didn't get a great shot of the band that had that vibe. And what Dee told me later on was that he was holding back because of what he talked to the band about. Yeah. And and when they were gone, uh, I said, Dee, don't hold back and let's go for it. And he did. And that's where we got it. And that's just and the you magic. Knew the label of, was going to pick that one. Or did you, I didn't even know. I didn't. You know, you just you just, I, turned it all in. just turned it in. And then when I saw it, I was like, "Yeah, that that says stay hungry." Yeah. That that might yeah. be why the very next album, the band was like, "You know what? We're just going to put a manhole on the cover right. so, <laughs> <laughs> to avoid that." <laughs> so after after that, we went with the the formula. Then he asked me to art direct and design this uh, next the the come out and play. Which unfortunately didn't do, do so well. Uh, nothing to do with the photography. Right. Thanks, yeah. Mark. Appreciate <laughs> that. Yeah, we have Mark. Good job, buddy. <laughs> I mean, because that cover was like, to me, it was like my most challenging yeah. and most rewarding because, you know, they pulled out the stops, you know, because it went so, they sold so many records on Stay Hungry. They, they just said, all right, D knows what he's doing. Let's let him run with it. And unfortunately, they shouldn't have let him run with it. They should have, right. you know, really thought about the next thing because I think "Leader of the Pack" was the single on that. And that "Leader probably, of the Pack" was, was probably person. a mistake, yeah. you know, that yeah. they did that. It was, but you know, every band Monday morning, Monday morning quarterbacks their career, yeah, like where they could have made better. But the pop up and the texture of yeah, that come great, out and play. I, I still it. have the street in my garage. My father made that because he was in construction. Yeah. It's that's two tons sitting in my garage with the Twisted Sister logo. It's going to end up in the, I think the Long Island Music yeah. Hall of Fame. Yeah, wow. the museums. And I also have, which I found later. I didn't know until I moved the, I moved the, the street to another part of my garage that on the back I had a bag in it and it yeah. was the fingernails and the mummy wrap. So <laughs> I have all that. How did you have the wherewithal to keep all that shit like back when you were doing it? I would just think that you would be like, this is going to last forever. Hell, I'm not keeping any of this stuff. I, I left it in my parents' <clears throat> garage and then when I had my own house like 10, 10 years later, I put it into there and just forgot about it. And then, but yeah, I got all, because we put it, wrapped them in mummy, like this mummy wrap. And it's all oily and and the fingernails and yeah and so all that's gonna you know be somewhere. And well, what was the next band that saw Stay Hungry and went? We need this guy. Yeah, uh, Wasp. Uh, oh. He had the last command. Oh yeah, yeah. Which and Blackie's it, the only one on the cover. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I see yeah. a pattern. Yeah, if, if Mark comes, your lead singer's about to stand out a little bit. <laughs> Dude, we, we need you to do the next line him album cover. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. Jacob's always trying to be in the front. <laughs> I know you've told this story a million times, but the slippery when wet story you got to tell on our podcast. There's there's got to be people out there that haven't heard it before, but I've heard it. It's so great, like that the. Here it is here. The two different oh, yeah, the, yeah, the two different covers and how this came to be. Yeah, there's actually three different covers, really. I mean, or really four and five, which is in my book, The Decade of the Rock. I, I really go into detail, but I'll, I'll quickly go through it. So it was first, the album was going to be called Wanted. Wanted or Wanted Dead or Alive because of the song. Yeah. And the idea was to have them grow beards and wear Billy the... You know, Billy the Kid hats and, yeah. you know, look like little gangsters, or like a gang. <laughs> and I would shoot them and make a wanted poster. And like, that would be it. And so each one came into my studio all different times and I shot them. And then I, I made this, uh, you know, this 12 inch by 12 inch poster and I put wanted in and I burnt it and took a photo and, and that was it. 
and uh, <clears throat> then they decided to change the name. Actually, before that, we did that part of it, yeah. and, th and then they said, "Well, we really want to have the band looking good, not like you know, Goofy, like yeah. like that." Yeah. So we came up with an idea to. They were recording in Vancouver. They flew me out there. I found an old like abandoned warehouse somewhere, and uh, the idea now was to have the band looking kind of cool, rock cool, and have this. Uh, poster that i made in the background wanted and they were like in this you know warehouse or this area where they were hiding out uh and that was the photo you know that was again still with the title wanted right and that's when they just decided not to use the title for whatever reason and that's when we got inspired by the number five club in Vancouver where the strippers were be going through the plexiglass yeah. and there were so many slippery one wet signs all around Vancouver. Cause there was all hilly and everything. And I don't know if it was doc or John or Richie, or it might've been doc that like, let's call it slippery one wet. Yeah. And, it, and when they told me that I was happy yeah, because <laughs> <laughs> there's more work for me and more stuff to do. And, and girls were involved now. Yeah. <laughs> Instead of I guys with beards growing, you know? <laughs> yeah. and uh, and so when they finished uh, mixing, we went back to uh, New Jersey and we did a photo shoot uh, across from John's apartment down the Jersey Shore. Yeah, and we got all their cars and motorcycles together and all the guys' girlfriends and and then we did a photo shoot for this, uh, you know to play off of Slippery When Wet. We got these t-shirts that says Slippery When Wet on it. And we just did a photo shoot. We didn't have an, any idea for an album cover. We didn't know if that was gonna be the album cover. It was just a photo shoot. Uh, and then it, the shot was looking good, but all their girlfriends didn't have like large breasts. And they were pretty, they were hot and everything, but the shirts, they weren't filled out, you know? <laughs> so uh, I said to my friend Danny Sanchez, who was uh, helping me out on the shoot, and I said, uh, can you go to the beach and just find me some girl with big breasts? <laughs> <laughs> and, no problem. And, and Tico, the drummer, goes, I'll help you, Danny. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they now we figured out for that Bert knows around here. Bert, that's your new job. <laughs> I, I like that job. And they came back with Angela, who ended up being uh, dead center on, on that shot, which was ended up being the back cover of the one that they printed. And then John said, let's uh, let's take Angela in, in my in my studio. And just shoot her. Uh, with a short I want to <laughs> uh, And he said, "Draw blood." <laughs> uh, I got a like a plexiglass, like the number five club. That's what they did. They went in these showers, and they wear t-shirts, and they ha they hose them down with the shower, and of course things start popping out. Yeah. Uh, and so we did that with Angela. But this time, I, I we didn't have a shower, so we had ice, and that helped things out. And uh, <laughs> I only had to shoot a couple rolls of a couple frames, but I ended up shooting like ten rolls of film. Yeah, you know? just, yeah that's good. I, 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 I don't know why. I don't happened. think I got it yet. This damn camera won't work. <laughs> so, so that was it. I turned it in. We had a concept. Um, they printed, you know, a couple hundred thousand 
copies uh and it was a done deal until uh john saw the cover and they put a pink border around it all right and this is the uh so this is the this is my take on the whole thing because there's different versions yeah, of it. yeah yeah like john's got a version and i, I but i kind of both of our versions come together and i just and i've never really talked about it but i think i figured it out um so what happened was everyone signed off on the cover with the girl uh and at that point the pmrc was going on i mm -hmm. went i actually went to the pmrc with d snyder when he talked for freedom of speech and we ended up getting a label that you know the um the warning labels and yeah. all that so i i went there with him uh so that was going on at that time and i think what happened because what john says is that when he got the picture in vancouver when he was finishing the record he got a xerox of the photo and he approved it you know it was a black and white fax you know it took forever to come through and it was black and white so he approved it they printed it and he did he didn't see until after it was printed the, the, pink, the pink border. Right. So I I think what went through his head is like, you know, we can't have this out there, the pink border. And the art director said, well, we did it because it matched the girl's nail polish and that's why we did it. Right. So they could have just got rid of the pink border mm -hmm. and made it blue or didn't have a border. Right. So I think at that point we took it, I think he, he knew that the PMRC thing was happening and they weren't, putting sexual album covers out on the, you know, out there. Yeah, Walmart. Yeah, stuff they, like they didn't want like to that. be I think he took that opportunity to say, let's, let's change this. Let's, let's see, even though you printed it, you know, I never approved the pink. So that was his thing. And then the record company said, okay, well come up with something, you know, we'll, we'll eat the 200,000 copies that we just printed. Right. And uh, it or it was released in Japan. So there's copies floating around in Japan. Ooh. And, and then, John said, "Do you got any ideas?" I was like, uh, "Not really." You know, I kind of like. <laughs> How much time like, did they give you to, <laughs> to correct this shit? They had a they had a few days to really to come huh. up with something, or, or they would have had to use what they did. So then John just called me up a couple of days later and said, "Hey, I'm coming over. Get one a black plastic bag, get a water bottle, and I have an idea." So we came over, and we just. He's, it was hanging up, and he just said, "I put some oil in the in the with the water, so it would drip down nice." And you know, I just sprayed it on. He just spray it, spray it on it. I sprayed it, and then he just wrote "slippery" one wet, wrote it, and I I took a, you know, I took a photo, and I he didn't even wait for the Polaroid. He just said, "Just send that to the record company." And I was like, "Isn't that crazy?" And that was it. Thank God he spelled it right. You know, you Next get one shot. Si one shot. <laughs> <laughs> So that's it in a non-nutshell. Yeah, well, that's great. I thought you had like minutes to do it. I thought they were like sitting on the other line waiting. That's 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 interesting. And then they used the back cover photo from uh, the, the video they did. Um, just to, you know, they did all these videos back there, and they weren't playing arenas yet. They were they were doing well. They were opening up for like Thirty Eight Special, and they were an opening band, and they weren't really selling out arenas. But in the MTV videos that Wayne Isham did. That was the whole thing. Let's show them that they're selling out in front of these arenas, nice. and that's what where that photo was. Yeah, and it worked. It is that work. your highest selling album cover? Yeah, that's probably the the biggest selling. Yeah, yeah. millions and millions. That's crazy. Yeah. I think that was like the that. first album I've ever bought. 
That is? Yeah. Like vinyl? No, I'm talking. No, I bought that shit on cassette. <laughs> <laughs> it was out on cassette then. That's really cool because before that record, I mean, they were the opening band for Rat. You know, they literally opened for Rat in arenas, and that record kind of, or not kind of, but definitely changed everything. I can't yeah. imagine living in the same city as somebody that got that big. You know, they they were in the same town as you grew up in, right? Yeah, I mean. I was shooting Motley Crue. I mean, the thing is, you know, when I you're out there, one door opens, right. another one's. It just I just keep going. Word of it. mouth started. Word of mouth and Doc McGee, which I've known from the late '70s when he was managing Pat Travers. I gave him a ride back from the Capitol Theater, and we just that's how we met. Oh, really? And uh, and then when Motley when he started managing managing Motley, that's when we started working together. And then, you know, a few years into it, he's like, uh, in 85, he's like, I got this band Bon Jovi, and they're actually lived in your, like, a, the next town over from where you were, bro you know, born and yeah. or raised. And I think you guys will hit it off. And so we got together. I did my first photo shoot with them in my studio in New York for the Fahrenheit album, their, yeah. their first album. And, uh, you know, we just hit it off. You know what I mean? We just hit it off right away. And then like that year he went to um, Farm Aid and they took me to Farm Aid and I got pictures. Everyone wanted pictures with John. He was like the golden kid all of a sudden, you know, yeah. Willie Nelson, Chris Christopherson, like anyone, John Cougar. And, and I was there just setting up the shots and John loved the attention and loved what I did. And, and we just kind of just hit it off really quick and, and then just, you know, took, took me everywhere with him. Yeah. Uh, how did we met we met him through father bob right what year was it we met mark so we met him 20 years ago that's what i was just figuring out last night when we were talking um we flew in and we actually met him at john bon jovi's brother matt bon jovi's bar, bar elements he, it was a right. restaurant yeah and we were in there we were having dinner and um mark came in and i recognized him instantly because like you know he shot all my favorite album covers and i was one of those kids that would read every word of the booklet of cds every yeah. bit of the album cover the back of the cover everything because i was always curious like who took the pictures who produced who mixed all that and um and i'd seen some interviews with him and stuff so he walked through the door and i like i look over at lou uh, morialli a mutual friend of ours and i'm like dude that's that's mark weiss and he goes yeah and i look over at matt bonjour and i'm like dude that's that's mark weiss <laughs> and uh matt's like, yeah yeah you, you yeah you want to meet him and i'm like yeah <laughs> and so he motioned for him to come over and he walked over and introduced him to us and uh, and that's how we met um, and then later that night, we ended up getting up on stage at some bar, and Mark was at the bar. And um, I, I, actually, I think he went over there with us with the whole the whole group. And um, and then he took a ton of pictures of us just on a. I don't know if it was a if it was a disposable camera or if it was with a phone. I, like if like 20 years ago we didn't have did phones they have, then yeah, yeah. you couldn't take photos with your phone right so i think it was like a little disposable camera or something but he took a bunch of pictures he didn't have his big camera but he took a bunch of pictures and we were actually looking through all those last night but um yeah that's how we met and we became friends and kept in touch over the years and the first official photo shoot that we did with him was on motley cruise it was the first yeah. cruise that lineham ever played and the craziest thing was is like there was a stop in cozumel mexico and the ship everybody was adamant about do not veer off the beaten path from like just stay in the groups of where the tourists 
are right. or whatever because it's very dangerous and we can't guarantee your safety so just just stay in our little compound you have to we're like okay so mark tells me he goes hey man we're gonna do a shoot as soon as uh, as soon as we get to cozumel and we're like okay cool we get off the ship this crazy son of a bitch is like 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 come with me guys and like so we we leave the gates of the compound which they told us not to he walks up to a guy just some dude with a black van and he goes hey man can you take us to the mine ruins I, you know i'll give you 20 bucks and the guy's like like see see or whatever you know and uh and so the next thing i know we're all getting in this van of somebody that we don't know, like, like, it's just like, we're like going, oh my God, are we going to die? And then we just drove and drove and drove. And it felt like we drove forever. Like we had, I think, I think the boat was docked for five or six hours. It took us about an hour and a half to get to where we were going. Finally, we did get to where we were going, the ruins and where the pyramids and all that stuff is. And, um, yeah, and then we we went all over the pyramids. We went inside like the the churches that were on the property and everything else. I'm like, man, maybe we shouldn't be shooting in here. And Mark Mark's basically, don't be a pussy. Come on, you know. And, it's like, and, uh, and and so we did this we did this photo shoot and everything. And we were looking at those last night because um, my wife took photos of him taking our photos That's because cool. of course after it was over, I think. The only photo that we saw from that was like one photo. We shot like for probably two hours. Mark sent me one photo that I have, and we never saw any of the other photos. You know what that means? We're not too photogenic. We were having a rough week. We were looking like shit. Was, well, well, that's the thing. He was like, he was like, man, your drummer just sweats profusely. And, uh, Mexico. It was Mexico. It was 100 and he, degrees outside. Of course he does. And he's, he's like, razor thin, like Jake. And he's like, he's like, he's like, your your bass player. We just we got to get him drunk to like loosen up or something. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, all these are facts. These I, are facts. Yeah. I'm not arguing. I've known you for a while. These are all facts. <laughs> yeah, it was. But, uh, you know, I wanted to help him out. It wasn't like a paid gig. You know, yeah. I liked you guys. Like when we met down in yep. Jersey, I just liked you guys. And I want anyone that has drive and, and talent, I, I want to help when I can. And I yeah. thought that would be a fun, you know, expedition. It was fun. It was amazing. I will, <laughs> I will get the pictures out. We'll show them on the on No, the no, 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 no. You did put them out for a reason. I'm, Dave, I'm David sweating. <laughs> no, we need all of us. We need all of so, us. So the funniest part of the whole thing is when we were getting back on the boat, like you've got to go through like, like the metal detectors and then the customs people are there and everything else. So when we're walking back on the ship, there's a dude that was walking on the ramp and he slips off the ramp and he falls into like this little puddle of water or whatever and he's drunk as fuck and he's like he's like oh no and he reaches in his pocket and he's like all the cocaine i just bought is wet <laughs> so they detained him in mexico like as we're like walking on the boat and we're like going wow all this cocaine I bought. So, tell what made you decide to do a book? Book's a big ordeal. Uh, well, it it is, and I knew it was going to be a lot of work, and a lot of thinking, and a lot yeah. of organizing, and I wasn't ready for it all these decades. You know, was it your idea, or did you have somebody going, "Man, you should do a book"? Well, there was this guy named Jacob Button <laughs> uh, that uh, kind of said, yeah, man, you should do a book, Mark. <laughs> you know? And uh, I was just starting to do gallery shows and starting to embrace my past. Because um, at this point, it was, it was actually 
probably 10 years ago already. I mean, I, I signed a contract like that long ago. Yeah. And, uh, and at first it was just supposed to be a simple book. Uh, and I, cause I didn't, I didn't want to commit myself to anything too wordy. I didn't want to think about writing. I just wanted to do a, some kind of picture book, just something. Cause I had an opportunity. A, a, a publisher approached me through, um, the publicist, Michael Jensen, who worked with Ozzy and he introduced me to Raul over at Insight Publishing and they want to do a book, whatever I wanted to do. So I'm like, all right, the simplest book could be of just metal bands with that when their hair was the highest, you know? <laughs> you know, so that was 1985, 1986. That's what everyone did the hairspray, everybody, Ozzy and Cinderella, Doc, you know, they all did. Right. And I just thought it would be an easy way to do a book. And then I did it, and after about a year, year and a half of doing it, I looked at it and it looked pretty cool. And I'm like, you know what? I, I don't want this to be my first book. I want I want to do something with a little more substance to it. And this could be something I do later on, right? Which I plan to do. Uh, and so I was like, all right, maybe it should be something narrative. Maybe I should tell my stories, and and that's what I ended up doing. So we ended up interviewing. I need help telling the stories and one of the reasons why i didn't want to do it backtracking to when i was 12 uh i also when i was get when i got my camera i also that same summer got in a motorcycle accident and i went unconscious and i and it kind of screwed up my memory wow and uh and glenn bax was the guy who i just spent a week with on an rv over at uh key island fest which is an awesome place to go yeah um so we interviewed all my rock star friends from Ozzy, Sammy Hager, Ted Nugent. I mean, like probably over a hundred of them, you know, and telling the stories through, you know, remembering things. And, and I would do the interviews. I had a couple of people do the interviews. And as I'm listening to them back, you know, it's supposed to be five, 10 minute interviews. They end up being some half hour, an hour. Uh, and I started, I don't know if I want to say remembering, but, uh, brought back the memories yeah, <laughs> yeah yeah it was bringing it back and i was kind of figuring it out how it happened and then hearing their part of it and then hearing another guy in the same band telling his part and then just kind of put together the story you know adding a little bit of a po poetic license to make yeah. it sound nice yeah. and uh and that's how the book kind of got created and just did and then i said all right let's just do chapter by chapter year by year so i started i did the early years talking about you know the things that i talked about uh getting my first camera yeah. sneaking in getting arrested at a kiss concert selling them going to jail uh <laughs> going to circus magazine and 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 up until 1980 when i shot uh all these my first photo shoot you know just the whole thing and yearly thing and so all of a sudden now everything's getting a little easier but the years are passing by as I'm, they're getting easier, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so it, it took me a good four or five years to really finish it wow. and make it perfect the way I want it. And it ended up being perfect the way I wanted it. And it's very, it's a narrative. It's the, the photo shoots are, it, I ended up editing it to 600 pages because they told me they'd give me 300. And I didn't count when I, when I had the pagination, it said one, two, and the one was really two because yeah. it was too <laughs> it was spread. Yeah. yeah. 
I didn't count it. So I'm thinking, all right, uh, this, this is going to be this is gonna... real experienced book writer. <laughs> By the way, I'm with him. I'm counting them one, two. two. Now that's it. Yeah. So at the end of uh, this, I, when I turned in the 600 pages or the 300 pages, it was really 600. And they were like, we, this, we don't, we're not doing a book with 600 pages. <laughs> you know, it's supposed to be under three, 278 to be exact. And he goes, and then they saw the content of it. I mean, I'm glad I did it. Oh, nice. And I, they saw what I had and they were like, we're going to make this like almost 400 pages. You know, so they gave me an extra, you know, 120 pages than than I wanted, and then they also gave me gatefolds. There's three gatefolds in there, and mm. uh, God, now you're using terminology, just losing the room. Gatefold. What the hell's a gatefold? <laughs> well, it's in the book. It's like a three-page pullout. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> Insight Publishing, and you know, it's distributed through, um, uh, you know, it's in Barnes and Noble, Simon and Schuster's. You, you know, find it everywhere. You got books. Hold but, it up. Hold it up, David. Make sure they see it, because yeah. You were talking about 85 and 86 being the the biggest of the big hair years. One of my favorite things is on Monsters of Rock Cruise, you, Michael Wagner, and George Lynch did this Q&A all together. And uh, Mark in 1985 did the Under Lock and Key uh, album cover for Dokken. And George... Like on this panel in front of everybody, like calls you out and he like he looks at the cover and he goes, "Man, why did you make us wear those stupid f clothes on that album?" And Mark Mark was like, "Dude, you showed up in those. I didn't have anything to do with it." He said, "I'm not your stylist. I'm your photographer. That's what you guys came in over there." Yeah, I, I think I think the first time they saw those those outfits was at the photo shoot. Like, and they opened it up and they were like, they did go. What is this? You know? <laughs> and I said, "Look, guys, we let's make the best of it. And, and <laughs> put on your pink outfit, or not pink. It was, I think, I think Jeff was purple, and George was red, and Mick was green, and Don was blue, and they they looked like circus outfits, really, you know. Mm. But at that point, that really was what was going on. But they just took it to the extreme, you know, whoever." Yeah. Uh, and they put it on, and everything we got approved. I mean, they they signed off on it. <laughs> and I would say that was probably after that, everyone probably looked at it and go, let's tone it down a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we found the limit. Here we go. Let's back it down from the here. The shoulder pads. Yeah. And, and then probably in 86, uh, it started toning down. 87, when guns hit. Because uh, the first time I shot Guns was in 86, and they were totally glammed up. I mean, yeah. glamour than anyone, really. Like They changed that pretty quick, though, didn't it they? It was quick, yeah. yeah but they, they... they released the album with that look. Uh, maybe not, because uh, the, the back of the album cover was pretty, it was down a little bit. Mm -hmm. But they were still, like, you know, performing like that. But the Welcome to the Jungle video, like the hair right. is like yeah. crazy big. Yeah. They were, they were embracing it, and... embracing it like everyone was. But, you know, it's about the music. The music really, it really... Drives the image. It, yeah. it drives it, and, and the, really the music will hold whatever's going to be there, you know, like the integrity of the band. It's the music. It's yeah. not the look. And the look can change, and which it did with them. They decided to... You know, pull it out, and then everyone else decided to pull it out, and uh, it just changed the 
you know, the way things were from then on, really. That changed in the 90s when, when a whole different genre of music took a hold. How did that affect you? Well, I thought, like, I was set because I had all these album covers, multi-platinum albums under my belt, uh, and that I wouldn't, you know, have an issue, you know? Right. And what I found out is because I started working for Metal Hammer, and then they had me shooting bands like Soundgarden, Alice in Chains, and on assignment, and I would get photo shoots for these bands, but you know they just they weren't fun. They didn't they, want art they, direction or none of that. They, shit, they didn't they. want it. They wanted to just shoot it. So I I just did what I had to do. But it wasn't like you know when I shot a band in the '80s, I was their friend for life. You know, yeah. I go went on the road with them. We hung out. We partied. And with these guys, I didn't feel a connection. They just wanted to play their music and not really have fun. Really. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but getting back to uh, what uh, the decade they rocked, uh, the book, and the other reason why I did it, and what I I call actually that book is my first portfolio. Right. I was so busy in the '80s shooting these bands, jumping from tour to tour to tour, doing album covers, going to Moscow, going to uh, you know just having fun doing what I do. Um, I never really, and I didn't need a portfolio. It was all, everyone knew who I was. So yeah. this is like my first portfolio is the That's decade wild. that rocked. And it, and, and it meant a lot to make it the way it is. Well, you talk a little bit about that in your book, like um, the first types of photo shoots, like what you just said with Alice in Chains and Soundgarden and bands not wanting to have fun. You talk about it with Danzig. You got uh, hired to do the, oh my God, the Danzig really? shoot. And um, talk about that. Well, everyone asks like, what was your worst photo shoot, you know? <laughs> I, I was about to ask, and I was, like, waiting on the wall to go, who'd you walk away from? And, you're like, right. and I mean, I'm glad it happened, because at least I have a story that if, when someone asked me that. <laughs> so, but, uh, I mean, it wasn't, a, it wasn't a terrible shoot or anything. It's just that it wasn't fun. Uh, and when I try to get the best out of the band by doing what I do, having fun, they didn't... They weren't that kind of band, you know? So there were four guys and they were just, I mean, had to make, it was for the uh, packaging for the, the first uh, Danzig record, you know, Glenn's solo album pretty much with a skull in the front. And this is supposed to be, gonna be used for like a gatefold inside and promo and press. Uh, so they came to the studio first time I met them and I just, you know, my job is to make them look good. So I positioned him. Glenn was a little smaller than everyone else, so I had to use some tricks to make him look bigger because, you know, he's a powerful guy. You know, he's the, the focal, but you don't want to. So you don't line him up right in a row. So you pull him forward, and you have the taller guys in the back. Use a longer lens, and that's one of the tricks things you learn yeah, yeah. in photography, how yeah. you position people, you know, yeah. to make it everyone look. So... It might not make sense to any just in your normal Joe. So if anyone right. doesn't follow it, it's yeah. Uh, so that's what I did, and so they weren't very animated. So which was fine, and Glenn, you know, was a big guy, and his chin was up, and it was looked too thick, you know. So I wanted him to lean forward a little bit, and uh, <laughs> he, he I, and the other guys too, and they wouldn't really move around. When I said move to the left, everyone would just be looking at me like this. And so what I do with the other bands too, and nothing different, I would go and kind of position them with my hands, you know, like I would 
you know, move there. <laughs> oh, God. So when I got to Glenn, he said, don't touch me. Okay. No touching. Yeah. Oh, okay. I was waiting for that. Right. <laughs> you should have been on that. All right. It's time to go draw blood. Let's yeah. get <laughs> So I went to, you know, so I said, okay, let's finish this up. Uh, and I did a few more photos. Uh, and that was it. I was like, I didn't think anything. I, sh I cut the, sh the shoot a little shorter, but they were glad to leave and I was glad that they left. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then the next day I talked to the art director and uh, just as, you know, gave him the film and and uh, I said, so how did everyone like the photos? He goes, oh yeah, the, the band loved the photos, but they don't ever want to work with you again. <laughs> oh my God. Wow. <laughs> but it, was, it was their fault though. I mean, <laughs> hell, they didn't want to do they wouldn't listen to how you want them to move and they wouldn't let you position them or anything. Yeah. So, I mean, it was their fault. Well, they like didn't like the, they didn't like me handling them. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, <laughs> that seems yeah. like how it was after Nirvana. Like, it was like Nirvana. Once they hit, everything was just different. Everything was serious and calm. And yeah. Yeah. So basically when that whole genre happened, I kind of, Skid Row was still doing a little bit of business, so I was working with them. I did a couple home videos with them. Uh, uh, oh, say, can you scream and Roadkill? I did all the behind. The, I started doing video, so I uh, so that was fun, and I was kind of you know went to Iceland with them, went to Japan, you know. So we did a lot of fun things while the other bands were kind of falling off the crack. But meanwhile, Skid Row, they had a number one album. I mean, they were they were doing good and then they imploded. And at the same point, same time, like maybe a couple years later, 96, uh, Kiss had their reunion. So I started working with them again and that was fun for me. So that kept me busy. So there's like periods of time that you'd think like, there were so many rock and roll photographers in the 80s Everyone wanted to be a rock and roll photographer, yeah. but only a handful really kind of, you know, moved on to and kept it going. And luckily I was one of them, but I had the drive to keep going. And I also was doing other things as well. In the 80s, I was doing shoots for Us Magazine, Entertainment Magazine, shooting like when E.T. came out. I shot Drew Barrymore as a child, like in the studio and with, you know, I shot uh, Kim Bassinger. I shot Alec Baldwin, Rodney Dangerfield, Cheech and Chong. You so survived I, shooting Alec Baldwin? You shot Alec Baldwin? <laughs> I knew somebody was going to come in now. <laughs> He's just bragging over here. He's like shooting that's freaking awesome and like what you were saying the people that you shot in the 80s became lifelong friends like to this day because everybody that i talk to it, it doesn't matter who it is they all have nothing but wonderful things to say about you and a testament to how great your work still is is like sharon osborne still calls him like to to he's still ozzy's photographer he called me you know a year or two ago i guess it was a year ago he was like Hey man, I'm I'm gonna come by your house and grab you, and we're gonna go to the Rainbow, and we're gonna like like redecorate it. I'm like, you're coming by my house. Oh yeah, Sharon flew me to L.A. We're gonna redecorate the Rainbow with nothing but just Ozzy photos and stuff because this album's coming out and it's gonna be this big release party. And I'm like, F yeah. So literally, <laughs> he comes, grabs me, and then we we take off to the Rainbow, and then we 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 spend the day just just putting Ozzy prints and mm. just everywhere. So it was awesome. Yeah, but to yeah. this day, like he's still Ozzy's photographer. So that since '81. 
Well, I just like to, you know, when I, when I shoot the, every time I shoot a new band back then, it's like having four or five new friends and whether they sell a million records or they don't sell a million records. I mean, I'm still friends with Jacob. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he sold half a dozen. Took yeah. his ass to the mine ruins. That didn't work out. <laughs> hey, I think there's actually at least, I know a couple of bands that probably wouldn't be where they are or who they are today if you hadn't kind of, they kind of met through you, didn't they? I know Skid Row. Oh, that's true. Yeah, you're right. Uh, Zach Wild wouldn't yeah, be an Aussie. And, it, and it's like, I don't take credit for, like, I mean, we're here to give you the But if you part. did, yeah, I mean, it was <laughs> No, it's like, yeah. everyone, like, like to take Zach, like, it's just fate. You know, I was with Ozzy and Sharon the night before my friend Dave met Zach. And, you know, I was with Sharon and Ozzy looking for this guitar player, you know, another guitar player in Long Island that didn't really work out. It, and I just said, I'll keep my eyes open. And the very next day, me and my friend Dave Feld, uh, uh, went back to Jersey where our parents lived and I said, let's go meet at, at this club. And he's like, nah, I'm tired. And I said, all right, well, I'm going. So, you know, I'll, I'll go. And I'll tell you how it is. <laughs> I ended up staying home, fell asleep. He went and he called me the next day and he goes, I found him. I'm like, what'd you find? You know, he says, I found the, the guitar player for Ozzy. And he, he goes, I, this band, called Zyrus is playing, you know, doing cover tunes and you got to meet this guy. I said, and he was so convincing. I said, okay, I'll tell you what, <clears throat> Ozzy's coming to my studio uh, this afternoon. Uh, bring him by. Uh, he's approving photos, so he'll be there. And, and, you know, let's let him meet him. Tell him to bring his guitar and a little practice amp. And he said, okay. So he brought Zach in and Sharon and Ozzy were supposed to come by in the afternoon. And I, t I told Sharon, of course, you know, I said, you know, Dave swears by this kid, let's let's give it a shot. Okay, we'll be up there, Mark. So Zach comes up and uh, hours go by, no Ozzy. Sharon calls me up. Oh, we're gonna be there. You know, we're just hanging out with Andre the Giant, having some drinks. A lot of drinks. A lot of drinks. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, Zach's, you know, he's being cool. He's, I put him in the makeup room and he had his practice sand and he's playing away. Another couple hours go by. I said, oh, you know, same thing, Sharon. Oh, yeah, we're going to come by. They're, they're, they're having a drinking contest, uh, but we'll be by. And uh, so then I took some pictures of Zach while he's away and I felt bad. So I took some photos while in between me working and along. Long story short, it's midnight already, and he's there for like seven, eight hours. And Sharon just said, "Look, they just like they're both on the ground. They just drank each other, you know." They, <laughs> and she's like, "Take the tape and send me a photo that you took, you know, Polaroid, and leave it at the hotel. We're we're, we're flying to England, and you know, we'll, we'll listen." I didn't think they were gonna listen. It'd probably be in a big thing. When she got to England, she called me up. She goes, let's get him to an audition. Wow. And so that's what happened. You just took, you just took video of him at your studio playing? Uh, no, he had a cassette tape. Oh, he already bought yeah, it with yeah. yeah, and I, I remember, there was just a photo and yeah, a cassette. Yeah, and a photo. A photo and a cassette. Yeah. And uh, that was it. That's crazy. 
Casio does a podcast with a lot of those wrestlers from the eighties. Oh yeah, I can't believe you didn't get into photographing them. That seems like something. Well, I did. Right. I did go with Ozzy when he did the uh, WWF. Uh, yeah. When he did that, and also Alice. So I went there. I was, you know, it's fun stuff. So I got pictures with Hulk Hogan and those guys. Man, if Ozzy can hang with Andre, I mean, the stories yeah. of Andre drinking are legendary. Yeah. He's got the one where he drank one hundred twenty-seven beers in one sitting. God. You couldn't even see a beer in his hand. So if Ozzy's in the floor with Andre, they did some drinking that night, brother. Yeah. That's insane. And then to tie in uh, the Sebastian Bach story, uh, I met Sebastian when he was in Madame X in 1986. I did a photo shoot. I met uh, the Madame, the original Madame X with the other singer in 1985, and that was they were managed by Sharon Osbourne's uh, father, Um Don Arden. And so that's how I met them. And then when they got the new singer, which was Sebastian, they flew me in. They had an investor. They flew me in. And that's when I met them and became friendly. A few months later, about six months later, I was getting married. And I told my secretary, I said, send them an invitation to the wedding. They were kind of fun, you know. Nice. Add some color to the wedding. <laughs> I didn't even think they were going to come, but they did come. They, they showed up in this beat up car. They barely made it. <laughs> Sebastian was there and uh at the end of the night they went up and jammed with and Kevin Dubrow was there too they did Bang Your Head and they did some Zeppelin songs and in the midst of all this the uh John Bon Jovi's parents were at the wedding and he was you know belting out you know showing off his vocal range to them at the table sure. and uh Dave Feld my friend who was my best man as well uh knew this the the uh skid row guys snake i didn't really know them that that well uh, i know snake used to come to the photo shoots because he was like john's really good friend so he would be at some of the photo shoots i was at but dave kind of hung with him while i was shooting john and he just kind of put it all together and uh i guess a little a little nudge by john's parents also you know yeah. saying saying that he saw him uh and they got him in the audition and he came down once and the first day he got thrown out of a, out of the bar that they played and <laughs> we got in a, we got in a fight Checked at white out. castle and so it was like instant like he was in and and that's uh you know yeah call it what you want i guess i was responsible yeah yeah <laughs> that's amazing now at your wedding it's hard to tell who's who because of the hair when they're headbanging and i noticed i guess it's, i think it's sebastian Bach is headbanging and his hair's not moving at all it's like <laughs> out here and it's not moving it's not that's waving yeah nothing. yeah well you mentioned at your wedding that it was a uh, sebastian Bach and kevin dubrow and um you just did a book on kevin dubrow keep on oh, rolling. Wow. and um through your very own publishing company that you started with uh with Mikhail. look at what all he's learned now second book <laughs> look you, know, at this. you learn all the tricks from the first yeah, one well, yes well you know I, I i like to have control i don't like to i mean with a decade that rocked i had to report to people um i mean they i've learned a lot and i felt like i learned enough to do it myself mm -hmm. and the way things are now you really don't have to be in like barnes and noble and you can do it online and you could do it at shows and, and yeah you know all these you know, interviews like with, with yourself and all these fan clubs that are have millions of fans mm -hmm. you know you can do it so uh so this came about by uh this girl missy just called me and said uh i really want to use uh your photo that you shot it was on the cover of faces magazine of kevin i'm doing a book i was the fan club president 
and I want to use it. I'm doing just an ebook, and uh, I was like, "Well, how much money am I going to get for that?" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so said, At least you're honest. That's a great first question. <laughs> so she's like, "I really don't have anything." Sure. I'm like, oh, okay. And then I'm thinking, you know, Kevin was a really good friend of mine. He was at my wedding. Yeah. Uh, he gave me keys to his house when he was on the road or when he wasn't on the road back in the 80s after he, you know, hit with mental health. And then I said, you know what? Send me the, manu send me the manuscript. Mm -hmm. And she sent me the manuscript and I kind of fell in love with it. You know, it was just, yeah. it was just really cool. And then I said, send me... Um, any pictures, any notes back and forth, and just anything that, and she sent me a bunch of stuff. Every day I'm getting more and more. And this is right when The Decade That Rock was released. So I was kind of busy, but it was like intriguing me, all this. Yeah. And I wasn't thinking about doing anything with another book. I mean, I knew I wanted to do another book after The Decade That Rock, but I didn't plan on doing something, taking another ordeal out. And here this is falling in your lap like this. Yeah, yeah. So I. so basically the story is, her first concert, she used to, in California, she was 16. She snuck into a show because she was underage and it was just a band and mm -hmm. she didn't know who it was. And she saw them and fell in love with the band and started following them and then started like, looked up where Kevin lived and sent him photos and, you know, saying, I love your show and here's some photos from it. And then Kevin wrote back and called her. And then next thing you know it, she's the fan club president. That's great. For, um, for Dubrow. I mean, she met them in 78, 79 when Randy was in the band. Mm -hmm. And so she had a friendship and on there. But then once he went to Dubrow, when Randy and Rudy left, she was, you know, at every show. Yeah. And Kevin and she just, I don't know how it happened, but they just, she ended up being the fan club president. That's great. And she helped out getting, like, when they, they needed fans there, she would be there and, and she was really responsible for a lot of uh, the success of getting, getting the word out. And then when, uh, Quiet Riot came about, they asked her to be on board on the mental health. So she was the fan club president for that and got all the questionnaires together. Mm -hmm. When they did the video shoot, she got fans in there for the videos. You filled know, the room up. Filled yeah. the room. So she was uh, had an intricate part of the success. And it's just really the story of that gap between, and, and it really shows Kevin's tenacity to be successful because it was a long road, you know, yeah. like, you know, a, a good number of years before and trials and tribulations. So it's, you know, the story is through her eyes, but it really shows, as Rudy says, uh, it shows the three sides. There's three sides of Kevin. It was like the, yeah. the, the Kevin when he was with Randy, the Kevin when it was in Bro, and then when the mental health came out. And uh, Rudy, I asked Rudy to do the forward. He did that. And we interviewed Kevin's mom, Laura, to do uh, the afterward. Yeah. And that's pretty much it. I say a little bit, I have my memories. And then when there's a photographer named Ron Sobel, who was, uh, who was Kevin's uh, best friend, teenagers be before Quiet Riot, uh, they became roommates. And he was, you know, Kevin was a photographer as well. Yeah. He shot Humble Pie, which I showed him yeah. in, the, in the book. And Ron was a photographer. And, uh, Just put it anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and so Ron 
took a lot of these photographs and I asked him if he'd be on board. They said that we don't have a little, a lot of budget, but he, he just said, yeah, let's do it. And he, uh, contributed. Yeah. He did the album cover for the, for the Japan records. Yeah. And, uh, so a lot of it's, uh, a lot of his photos. And then I started shooting quite right in 1983 at the us festival. Yeah. And, uh, and then I did the Bang Your Head single sleeve. Uh, that was my first photo shoot, and we became friends. One of the coolest things, um, you gave me the book yesterday, so I had time to look through it last night and read a lot of it. One of the coolest things is it's Missy's story of, of you know, her relationship with Kevin and the band and everything else. And it's so cool because fans have such a huge, huge impact on what happens to the band. We had somebody just like Missy with Lynam, um, a, a girl named Lisa Case, that she's the reason that we ended up on radio, the local radio show, our first song, Disco King. And like she's the reason that we got a lot of record label interest, management interest, all that stuff, because she would be at all of our shows. She would constantly be evangelizing to everybody about Lynam, 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 you've got to come see them. And um getting everybody to call the radio station and everything else and it's like so that's so cool that that's from the fans perspective and that's so cool that you did that that's a great book yeah well and also it's like i said it was going to be ebook but all these fun interesting things these graphics i mean metal health that album cover is just amazing yeah and uh i had someone work on it with me uh designer monica and uh we worked on it for about a year and it really wasn't i you know again it was just a limited budget and i couldn't ask for too many changes so i was kind of accepting it it wasn't really where i wanted it yeah and at the same time i met mikkel when right right after the decade that rocked uh uh was released and i just started probably six months later, I started this book. Right. And she saw me struggling, you know, going back and forth, back and forth with the, with Monica, who was amazing, but I'm just, I do things backwards. I need to see it, and then I need to change it. And right. then I need to see it again, and then I need to change it back to where it was. Yeah. And, and say you were, and then say you were right. It's a process. But then, but then I need to, I need to, I need to look at it another way. Yeah. Right. I just need fourth, it's probably like musicians they need to hear four mixes and yeah. then which one do i like but it takes a lot of time and we really we I mean, she was gracious with her time and did a great job on this and i was i was like this is the best it's gonna go and mikhail at the time she um she owns a, a ballet uh bar company named custom bars and you know she's did her their website but I, I really didn't know too much what she did i right. know she ran she has you know a bunch of people working manufacturing these things and yeah. also i see her is behind like i'm behind my computer doing my thing and she's behind her computer doing her thing and we're kind of leaving each other alone but i'm not really paying attention to anything she's doing because it's not interesting to me you know <laughs> i'm not a dancer you know yeah. ballet bars well that don't sum up marriage i don't mean, i wouldn't pay attention what you right. we're here but i guess she was listening to what i was my frustration and what i was doing so it took a while like maybe a year before she kind of like 
uh, said, okay, Mark, I know Photoshop. <laughs> I, I, I know how to make this Quit better. Quit mansplaining <laughs> shit to me. I get it. I, I know how to make this better. So as you could take over from there, Mikhail. Yeah, okay. pick up your mic right here. All right. So um, I, I grew up in Israel. So all no this, way. You didn't I, grow up in Alabama. <laughs> <laughs> so I missed a lot of that scene. I grew up dancing since I was three years old. I was very focused on my dancing career. I was also doing some music. I was playing my piano or keyboard and doing some art. So I didn't have time to watch TV, MTV, and all that stuff. So I wasn't the fan or the groupie. Um, <laughs> I listen to a lot of classical music. I appreciate music from all different genres. Um, but I w overheard him talking about uh, about this book, and I, I decided that I, I don't want to work with my next boyfriend. That's not going to happen. So I, I kind of kept I, I was the next boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> so, she wasn't sure. She wasn't sure then. Yeah. Yes. So um, I actually, when I, when I was um, 21, I came to the U.S. to pursue my dance career, went to NYU School of the Arts. And I um, ended up starting my company because uh, kids came along. And, yeah. um, so I did web development and graphic design for 10 years. My ex was working in publishing and like pre-press. So I helped a lot with Condé Nast and all putting together all different graphic design and, yeah. and uh, web development and helping them a little with book design. And, yeah. In design and all of these different uh, programs, and I didn't want to tell him anything. Like, so he didn't know that nothing, you had that background. Nothing, she was, no she was letting me suffer. <laughs> ah, that's nothing, great. Yeah, I, I, I kept it secret. So, but <laughs> but I overheard him talking about this fan, and in Israel, I don't think there is such a thing. Like, we are all focused on going to the army and mm -hmm. I don't know ourselves. So I couldn't believe the amount of material that she had it was and all her stories i was like so intrigued and then i saw the first draft of uh, the book right and it wasn't quite there <laughs> <laughs> i mean it, it was it was amazing but it was a little i, I felt like i can i can really make it better Mm -hmm. And and just tune it a little bit. And, and it was it. no discredit to Monica because she did. She, she was, did an amazing she, job. She was just yeah. follow, she was she just, just following. Yeah. No, 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 no. Monica was the designer oh, the design, that we hired her okay. hired, and but she was just listening to, to to my direction. Right. So it's like I told her what to do. She did it. So right. not to discredit her because she did. She did an amazing job. Right. But, but here and there, I felt like it could use a little fine tuning. Mm -hmm. And I and I knew that they had no budget. So I said, all right, I think I, I can help you. <laughs> wow. and, and he didn't know that I know all that. So he kind of stopped me all the time, like, oh, don't do that. Don't do touch that. I kind of did it before. <laughs> did you eventually have to tell him, look, this is my background. Just sit down. Uh, I got it. Yes. Eventually, so from my skills. That I, I designed I Apple's website. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, I did web development for graphic design for 10 years, did some publishing stuff. So I, I knew, I knew the, the and, it, and it's also nice to have someone write because, you know, Mikel moved in with me and we had two, I had my office, we have, you know, two computers. Yeah. And it's nice to be able to not wait until 
that other person you could bounce right back and forth. right yeah. right yeah. right so we would it's a it was a collaborative effort yeah. for to perfection exactly so did y'all know each other before you figured, figured this out i know that's what i was like, saying like that. about a year right wow. we, before How do you we, keep something like that quiet for i know <laughs> 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 Jesus, it was was it a year? maybe six months okay. or so yeah but i tried really hard not to reveal that part of me <laughs> Well, and so, now that so, we've brought you both here, she's got another secret she wants to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're on Jerry Springer yeah. all of a sudden. Time to reveal the next light. <laughs> so we were trying to come up with a name for uh, the publishing company. And uh, I don't know, how How did we come? Who thought of that? I don't know. Together, I think. So She uh, came out with it, guys. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Clearly. Clearly. So it's, it's called MIMA Publishing. So M-I for Mikkel and M-A for Mark. So M-I-M-A. That's cute. Why not mommy? <laughs> <laughs> mommy. Yeah. <laughs> so you're responsible for putting this whole thing together, huh? So we're yeah. quite proud of... Uh, yep. So And that's uh, available everywhere as well? Well, right now it's going to be through the decade that and uh, you know we're going to offer you know signed copies by Missy and myself, and we throw in photos sometimes, different packages. And what we're doing is in uh, on March 11th is the 40th anniversary of Metal Health. Wow! So we thought it'd be a good time to do a a virtual book release um, event. Uh, I mean, it's available now, but on March 11th, the plan is to uh, have it uh, appear. We, we already did uh, about 10 interviews. We have Stephen Piercy, Don Dawkin, uh, Ron Sobel, Missy, uh, Dee Snyder, Rudy Sarzo, Kevin's mother, Laura, and, and, and a bunch of others. And we're going to be editing it together and going to it's you know i call it like a virtual book release event and it's available on meathooklive.com so you can go there and you buy a ticket for ten dollars and you can tune in on march 11th when it premieres or you can watch it anytime up to the end of the month march and there'll be other offers like for prince quiet riot prince that never before seen wow. and we'll be showing some of the book in there and uh, just a lot of insight of kevin through all these people like that knew him so well like ron sobel who did the pictures and lived with him his mother um rudy who really opens up on how the chain of events how it all happened and um you know stephen piercy talking about the old days because you know they were around this they were rat and quiet riot were really like their 83 84 that's when they broke uh, D. Snyder, uh, just giving creds to his how his voice and how uh, how respected you know he was um, as a singer, uh, and just to hear it now, uh, I feel like he deserves the uh, the cred and and for his family and people that knew him and and really that album and and every interview they always they always give him credit you know. Uh, it was the first band, uh, heavy metal band, to go to number one, knocked Michael Jackson out of the Billboard charts. What was the last one? The decade that rocked. For the for the Meat Hook. Oh oh, Meat Hook Live, yeah, M E E T H O O K L I V E uh, dot com. We'll put it up on yeah, the don't, graphic. Don't go to M E A T Meat Hook. I've already. <laughs> I mean, I'm subscribed, but I'm just saying it's not for everybody. You know what I mean. <laughs> 
We got a couple of emails from uh, from uh, people that wanted to ask you questions. One of them you've already asked, answered. Uh, Brad Yancey asked, who is one of the most, un, you know, hard to, that would not co- cooperate with you in a shoot. That's got to be Glenn Danzig. But um, he also asked if you think Zach Wilde would have the success he's had after Ozzy that he's had. Does that surprise you that he's had that success? No, and and I mean, the reason why I, I don't take, credit for their success i mean even though it's you know i opened some doors because you know zach had talent you know sebastian has talent but it does take a certain you know it's fate and uh and zach's talent is undeniable and uh the aussie was a springboard uh to his where he was gonna go i mean right. look look what he's done he's he's like the guy you know he's in pantera, pantera now you know yeah oh yeah he's playing with pantera i forgot about Maybe that you heard him Man, he's he's incredible. He's, I think the way he looks, you don't take him as serious as you should. He they came through with the um, Jimi Hendrix uh, tribute tour that yeah. they came came through. I mean, he the first thing he did was he sat down at the piano, and you're like, what is Zach Wild doing at the piano? <laughs> We're at a tr- Jimi Hendrix tribute show, but he. I mean, he was amazing. You know what I mean? It's yeah. just like his character of Zach Wild, kind of. You don't take him. Some people probably don't take him as seriously as they need to. Is an incredible musician, top to bottom. Yeah, yeah. Great character. We got one more email too from Brent Chandler. Ask Mark if he had not gotten into photography, what occupation would he have gotten into? If not rock music, like photography, what other kind of photography you think you would have? Well, I, I wouldn't have gotten into photography. I would have had a landscaping business. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, you fall into things, right. however you fall into them. I was always at a young age, always worried, like what I was going to be when I grew up. I knew I didn't want a nine to five job. I knew <clears throat> I didn't have the, uh, scholastic skills to be a brain surgeon yeah and uh you know or an accountant or anything i didn't like school i couldn't remember i couldn't remember things you, you need to remember things right to to, to do those you know to be a brain surgeon right you, to be a lawyer to be an accountant to be anything you need to remember to be a cashier i mean i i tried to you know just be a cashier at a at a food place when I was a semester in college and fuck that up and I, I couldn't even do that. So have you found other stuff you like for photographing besides live besides rock music? Naked women. <laughs> Man, that's great. I knew we had something in common. And now we're back at Meat Hook Live. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. So during COVID. I couldn't shoot rock stars, so uh, I I took I started taking walks, uh, and I never really did before. There was a one trail uh, where I live in uh, uh, Highlands, and I just walked on this in the oceans there, and there's these big rocks, you know, and I saw a formation of rocks that people build. I mean, everyone's seen them, right? They build rock formations, and uh, I saw someone building it, and. I, I never really even seen it before. Uh, And so I watched it and I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. So I took a picture of it and it wasn't that big. It was maybe like two feet tall, not not even, you know, and I did it with my phone in a perspective where it looked like it was like six feet tall. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. So I started doing that and I posted them. I have an Instagram called, I, I made a little story 
about it when I went with Ozzy to, to in '86. I went to Stonehenge. Yeah. And I photographed that, and I used that as my lead photo. And I also call it uh, "I Want to Rock." Stonehenge. Mm. I want to rock Stonehenge. <laughs> yeah. So that's my title on Instagram. I and I spelt it wrong, Stonehenge wrong. So <laughs> it, was, it was just a, it was the thing. I just went with it. You know, yeah. I didn't look it up. So you you'll find it. It's on my. So I so I started shooting these rocks, and every time I did a walk, I would do one or find one that someone did, or I would start doing them yeah. myself. Yeah, <laughs> and then I found a Barbie doll on the ground, and I put the Barbie in there, and used it used her as a silhouette. Yeah, and it looked like a real w woman, you know. Yeah, and so I shot that. It looks like it made it realistic. So I just had fun with it. And so every time I go somewhere on vacation or something meaningful, right? If someone passes away or whatever, I'll build a little rock thing and take a picture just to help my memory too. To help tell the story for sure. So what's it called again? I want to rock <laughs> Stonehenge. Yeah, pull that up on Instagram. It's on Instagram. It was an NFT too, I think. Oh yeah, <laughs> right. NFT. Yeah. You gotta misspell that shit. Though. Yeah, you can't spell I don't it. even know. By the way, it, you spelled it H E N G E. Oh, you forgot the E. I was about to say. I want to rock Stonehenge. <laughs> <laughs> did you did you shoot Shannon Yeah. Well, when? Uh, 78 it was the first time when i was sneaking in and uh and then in the early 80s when he did a solo but i really got to know him when he was with van halen i was the photographer at monsters on the on the monsters of rock tour with metallica docking and yeah so i was hired to do the tour book and i got to really know sammy then and we became friends and uh yeah, still, like when on his 60th birthday, he, he flew me to Cabo to document, his, photograph his 60th birthday party. Well, he rolls it out too, doesn't he? He's a, like the best. Yeah, he's an amazing guy, you know? He, yeah. he doesn't have to do this, you know? He just does it because he loves it. I've noticed something about people that are like actual friends with him versus people like us that are fans. People that are actually friends with him, they all say Hager. Every one of them says Sammy Hager. I heard you say Sammy Hager just a little while Isn't ago. Is that the same like, thing? Like, yeah, like all of well, we say always, Hagar. We always oh, say Hagar. Hagar, like all the Van Halen Hager. fans. But, but everybody that I know that's like friends with Sammy, they all say Hager. So maybe we've been saying it wrong. I don't know. It just comes out of my mouth that way. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, we thought it was some inside baseball Sammy, shit. Sammy yeah. <laughs> like he threatened you with your life. Look, you're one of my close friends. You can start calling me Hager now. Yeah. <laughs> Did you keep shooting Motley after, like, all down more albums? Oh, yeah. I mean, I uh, I shot uh, in 85 when they went the more, I mean, they, they, they have different looks, you know? Yeah. So in 85 when poison was big and they had the whole glam thing theater of pain yeah theater of pain they hired me to to do this shoot with um in gangster outfits Absolutely. and we did a whole we did a poster set and i rented the this rolls royce we had a backdrop we brought in it was a big production and each guy had had these uh tailored uh, tuxedo suits and we got Tommy <laughs> guns and it was a whole concept. We had some girls in there and it ended up being each one had their own poster and then there was a group photo and uh, that was for their tour book and for promo. And then after that, uh, yeah, through the decade and through, uh, yeah, I mean, the, the generation swine, did you, 
Yeah, I mean, through the years, I, I've done stuff. Uh, but after the 90s, the magazines really weren't interested in photos. So there really wasn't... Uh, I used to shoot a lot on spec because I used to sell them to the magazines. And once after the 90s came, there really wasn't a market for it. So uh, I would shoot bands still to this day, you know, when the stadium tour came, I took photos, but what do you do with it? You put them on social media, you know, if they need photos, I mean, you know, they bought a bunch of photos for their merch, you know, cause now they're, everyone's embracing the eighties, even Bon Jovi, you know? Uh, so a lot of my archives from the back in the day are now seeing the light of day through their merch, the t-shirts selling them. Hey, you wanted me to remind you about the rock and pot thing you want to talk about. Oh yeah. Tell me. Yeah. So in uh, Nashville, I think it's March 17th. Yeah. This so. is this is going to come out the right, very first of March. It's to be perfect okay. timing. Yeah, so I got I got asked to be a guest and there wasn't there's was only a handful of guests. Now I just looked with Jacob the other day and and there's like a whole bunch of people. So it's it's going to be really turned into a really nice nice event. And um, yeah, I'm going in there. I'm going to uh, What is it though? Describe oh. it. It's, it's, I don't really know. <laughs> <laughs> it's just I mean, thing. I say yes to everything. You know? <laughs> I was like, all right, you want me there? All right. Let's party. Uh, I assumed you knew all about it when you said you wanted to talk about it. You want it. to go get lunch after this? <laughs> just say yes. Yeah. <laughs> but what I found out is it's a bunch of people that have podcasts like yourself yeah. and they set up booths. And I think they interview people there or are they just promoting it and fans come there. They're turning into very Namish yeah. where the crowds come in, uh, fans. And I think they're setting up where a lot of the artists will be doing autograph signings, I think. I think. Don't, you know, you got to go on the site and you'll you'll check it out. Uh, but it seems like a really good organization. Is it, I, This might be the second one. I'm not even sure. I think mm -hmm. Vinnie Vincent was uh, at the last one, which caused the buzz. Um but it's just it's just another outlet for fans to meet the rock stars and to before they pass because God knows mm -hmm. it seems like every time you turn around one's passing yeah, and you're like true. damn it I should have gone and seen them. Mm -hmm. So yeah, well, that's thanks fun. for bringing forward. us down, David. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like yeah, that, it's a legit concern. We were know? riding high. You're like, yeah, they're probably all going to be dead by March. But <laughs> thanks, buddy. <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. I'll let y'all carry on. <laughs> I'll be over here if y'all need me. <laughs> I'm also doing a uh, event on uh, that week, the same week, March. I think it's it begins March 17th in Jacksonville at Gallery 725. Yeah. Uh, and they're going to be displaying my photographs. And uh, I'll have a book signing. And then at the end of that weekend, so I'll be coming to Nashville and then driving down to Jacksonville. Jacksonville. Yeah, and and setting up shop there, and at the end of the week, I'll make an appearance and do some radio, and also we're gonna do something a little different. When Monster on the Mountain last year, Vince Neil headlined. That's the one he fell off the stage. It man. was, yeah. <laughs> I saw that video. That's crazy. Yeah. So before he fell off the stage, <laughs> uh, he was in great spirits. It was a slip. I mean, you know, it's yeah. it's one of those it's setups. To every single person. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Mikel and I uh, created on Canvas almost a life-size picture of one of my photos from 1984 of Vince, and Mikel embellished it. And I was, you know, I like to step it up a little bit, make something a little different, makes it a little arty. So I talked her into using her creative skills and 
embellishing, adding some, you know, runs and make, you know, not, not nothing too uh that takes away from the photograph but just adds to it complements it so right we did it and we brought it with us and uh because i was doing a book signing there too and you know everything was for sale and vince felt like fell in love with it and wanted to buy it oh did he yeah no kidding and then after he fell off the stage i gave it we gave it to him <laughs> I, felt bad. I, figured, I, I figured it would cheer him off you yeah. know you just cost me ten thousand dollars here you go <laughs> so uh yeah we took a picture with it and it was the first collaboration mikella had and, and i showed it to the uh the gallery owners and uh they said uh why don't you do a few one live here like to have her Oh, in, do something live. Yeah, live. Whoa. And and create. So I said, well, does that make you nervous to do some shit like that? Live? <laughs> she didn't okay it yet. Yeah. So, <laughs> I'm putting a little pressure on now. Yeah. Uh, and uh, we're also going to, if we can, we're going to uh, try to have like maybe one from each year, a life size uh, right. piece of canvas and have her do it beforehand and they'll they'll frame it and and that will be waiting for them so that's something special and different that will be there along with like maybe 50 photographs of mine from the book yeah um you said you told me on the way over here you have a tiktok page right yes what what's going on with your tiktok page because i'm out of the loop on tiktok are you doing dances (laughs) 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 they they got a lot of views are you dancing <laughs> I can't wait to see if he's dancing. No, he's not. He, he showed me a couple of them. He sent over a couple of links. No, but... I mean everyone's on social media. I yeah. embraced, uh, you know, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, you know, years ago when everyone else sure. did. But I never felt emotionally attached to it. I just have, um, you know, put up birthdays of rock stars and they're passing to remember them, and throw on some images, maybe a few stories from the book I would put in there. So I mean, I take it seriously, but. I never let any of me in there. Uh, and I want to. And I just didn't feel it. So then when TikTok came out, I felt like that could be a place where people are telling a little more stories. I mean, there's a lot of crap on it. Uh, you know, girls dancing around and all that, which gets millions of views. Not that I would know that. <laughs> yeah. It's all good content. Yeah. And it's fun. And I'm going to keep doing it at all my events. We're going to do one right here, too. Yeah, and when I walked in here with my my, my thing, I I just do oh, it. Oh yeah, that's that's what that was for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> when you were telling us you zipped your penis up. I did yeah. have an accident today. I zipped my cock up and uh And I got that. I'm yeah. on the you get all these Put things. Me on dick yeah. dock later. I did not think about that. It's gonna get a lot of views. <laughs> now I'm gonna be asked every time somebody sees me, how's your dick doing? <laughs> how's the Franken mean? Don't they do that anyway? Yeah. They ask you that anyway when they see you, don't they? <laughs> how's your dick doing? So Jacob was telling me, uh, and I forgot when he uh, he filled in for Tom Kiefer right. over on, on the on the thing. oh yeah on the Monsters of Rock cruise yeah, and he was telling me a funny story about uh, uh, you know a bunch of people looking at him, and some people weren't sure if it was like it's like Tom got AIDS. What yeah. happened to Tom? <laughs> no, Tom looks young, you know? yeah, but. Uh, uh, yeah, some of the some of the band members' wives from the other bands. Eddie Trunk introduced the band, and he walked out into the crowd, and he was standing next to a couple of their wives that had been drinking, and they were like going, 
oh my god tom hasn't aged at all <laughs> and, and eddie's like trying to say well that that's not tom that's and they, they can't hear him because yeah. it's so loud and they're just like wow and that way you busted your head or no that was that, that was that, that was kiss well, well tell us that story yeah he i mean uh, you know the slides on the cruise like Sure. You ever been on a cruise, guys? Jacob got on a slide. <laughs> no. Not not only has Cassio been on a cruise, but yeah. he was on uh, the cruise uh, with Vince Neil. <laughs> no, we talked. We have to tell you the story in a second. Okay. I think it's hilarious, but uh, it's amazing. Wait, how did yeah. you how did you bust your head on a slide? So we were playing. Um, it was one of the first shows that I ever played with Adler, and we were booked on the Kiss cruise, and our first show was in the big theater and then the next show after that was out on the pool stage and i saw that giant water slide that they had that went up there was no water in it they drained the water slide to keep people from you know getting on it so and i did exactly what they didn't want you to do (laughs) so um like when i sing i have a wireless microphone so i jumped off the stage and i started running up the slide the water slide and um singing a song i don't know we're singing sweet child of mine or something i don't remember and then coming back down the uh the slide i was running but i'm six five and i I didn't duck enough and i hit my (laughs) head on the top of this part of a water slide and i actually scalped my head like like completely it was the most metal moment he's ever had on stage (laughs) is this part of the show (laughs) yeah so so i get back on stage and like we still have three more songs and so like i play the show there's blood just coming down my head but i I was wearing a headband a bandana so it's like a lot of the blood's getting soaked up in that so as soon as we finish we walk over to the side of the stage and everybody's wanting to do pictures and all that stuff so we do all that and finally like somebody comes up and is like you have to go downstairs right now and this is where i found out the cool thing about cruise ships underneath the ship there is a another city down there. There's, There's a, a full-blown hospital. There's a full-blown jail. There's a morgue. There's all kinds of stuff. Because, a morgue? Yeah, because people die on cruises all the time. A lot of old people cruise, and so it's like their final you know, voyage or whatever. So people die constantly <laughs> on cruises. They sound like they know they're so, going to die. Yeah. Bobby yeah. Lynn. Never seen yeah. yeah, so so anyway, they have all that stuff. But So I went to the hospital down there, and they ended up having to like like stitch my my head up and stuff and when we took the headband off you could like wring blood out of it like it was just yeah. crazy <laughs> yeah so um that particular ship it was like what was it royal caribbean or something mm-hmm. like that whatever cruise line it was they actually removed the slide completely for all future music do you want to run through your story real quick about Vince and the old? No, I want to tell that one. Yeah, you're... <laughs> go back in the archives and listen to that episode. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Y'all have any more questions? He's probably his bladder's probably about to burst. I think all of us about to burst. <laughs> <laughs> we appreciate you coming in. Is there anything else that you can think of that you wanted to promote today? Uh, no, I I know. Uh, Jacob asked me about the the, uh, the Night Songs album cover. Oh yeah, Cinder- yeah, yeah. Cinderella, and it, it's a, it's kind of a good story. Yeah, I, um, hear that. I forgot about Night Songs. That's right. Yeah, so that was again during the the big hair days, nineteen eighty five. Yeah, uh, eighty six, and I did the uh, the Night Songs shoot uh, outside, and it was during the day. 
I, I arranged it for, it's called Night Songs, but I shot it during the day. Right. And Tom came to me and he goes, why are we shooting this during the day? It's not called Night Songs. <laughs> and I said, I shoot day for night. <laughs> and, and he's like, he didn't know what, he goes, what? I go, I, 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 I shoot day for night. And for anyone that knows photography, you can shoot daylight and use flashes. The flashes have so much light on it, it kills whatever's available light is right. there. So I wanted to be able to have control and to see what I was doing and see the bands, because if it was dark and the flash hits, you really don't see the reaction. Mm -hmm. You know, it's it's there, but, and it was outdoors, we had generators going. So uh, I wanted to do it during the day. and. It didn't affect anything. I had smoke going, and it, it looked like it was at night. Right. And when he saw it, he, he trusted me, you know. Right. And when he saw it, he's like, "Oh, okay, I get it now." Yeah. <laughs> you shoot day for night. I yeah. shoot day for night. That's great. He trusted me. Uh huh. Sometimes you got to trust the photographer. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes. Always. Sometimes. <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> well, the book is the decade that rock. Also, keep on rolling. Both available from the website with thedecadethatrock.com. Yeah. Yeah. And you can get signed copies from there too. Yeah. Right? There's all different packages. You throw different photos in. I give postcard sets and yeah. He'll come deliver it to your house if it's, it's oh, the yeah. right amount of money. He'll come yeah. hand deliver it to you. So. And if anyone has like a gallery, a cool rock and roll gallery that that want to uh, you know have me there. Yeah. And is into you know promoting and and me telling some stories and selling some books and here we are having got some it. fun. Here's the website right above That's you. That's it. There it is. Over 1,200 reviews. It's actually uh, over 1,300 now. Do people give you shit reviews? <laughs> what kind of asshole would ever give a shit review? It's such a great book. Well, there's actually, all of them are five-star reviews. Yeah. And these are uh, from Amazon buyers. Yeah. There's one person that gave me like a one because it was damaged, like the thing was damaged. And, uh, and that was your fault. Because <laughs> you, right? you personally like yeah, delivered it to one, their house. Yeah, I kicked it down the block before we put it in the Sorry house. I got you a book across the country. <laughs> Sorry the corner got bent. <laughs> Apologize. But if you but if you look on, on rock books, yeah. they general they don't really give a lot of reviews, you know, but something to, like I think mine's the first book that really covers that genre and that decade in such detail because right. I, I feel like my I feel like I was like the guy through the 80s that kind of went with the image, went with the bands. This band was big. They were little. They were big. You know, yeah. I kind of so it's kind of like a, a, it's a bit of a history. And uh, people actually took the time to write very lengthy reviews. That's and good. Yeah. The impact that he made on their yeah. And also, it's something about this, that, that decade, that generation, you know, that's very passionate. Still today, when you go to a concert, you don't, they're not old looking, you know, they're all, they have that youth in them, you know, yeah. and uh, I'm glad to be part of it and, and share my stories and my images. Yeah, man. We're, we're, we were so excited to have you on. Like, this is huge for us. This has been cool as hell. Yeah, might be the biggest guest here. we've gotten, dude. This is great. And we appreciate you taking time to drive through Alabama. And we knew that took a, a lot to come here. So we, <laughs> we, we probably thought you probably, we, we tell everybody when they pull up here, it looks like they're getting out for a gangbang at this place. Yeah. <laughs> well, we, 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 we brought our banjo. He brought his banjo. Well, guys, definitely check out uh, his books and check out the website. He's always got appearances 
uh, uh, coming up. Do you have any uh, coming up after March that you know of right now? Uh, jeez, uh, I don't know. Book him. You know, you yeah, can, you can always book book him for a gallery. So, but just go to the Decade of the Rock, sign up on my mailing list. We'll get you everything out there. And you know, if you're, you never know. And uh, yeah, if you're interested in photo workshops, just send an email. I'm not hard to find. You can direct message me. <laughs> I'll publish a book for you. Yeah. He's Somebody's like, got a good honey, rock story. Don't sign me up. For Mommy more, publishing. Me my publishing. Or if you need a ballet bar, custombars.com. Yes. Is that what it is? Yes. Okay. That's awesome. Ballet bars. B-A-R-E-S. <laughs> well, thank you all for tuning in and make sure you like and subscribe and leave some comments on the YouTube channel. We need some more comments. So uh, thank you, everyone. Anybody else have anything else to say? Am I closing us out? Yeah, We're out of here. We'll see you all next week. Thank you. Girl, you get away with love.